It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. No, yeah, this gross thing I got to talk to you about. It won't take very long, I don't think. I mean, okay, great. Unless you have questions. Well, neither was the barbecue thing, but <laughs> yeah, oh, that's true. Here we are. Oh, I'm here. Welcome to the Child Care Bar and Girl Podcast. Jeff Johnson coming to you live from Oakhaven along the Gulf Coast. Gulf Coast or what? None of your fucking business. Um, with me, Samantha Baltz <laughs> and, hey. and Rebecca Goulet. <laughs> Hello. How you doing? Um, so this is episode number three of our batch. Uh, Rebecca just cracked open her her third sour beer, I believe. Sam Sam hasn't hasn't had a beverage. And I can tell by her voice she's getting a little bit parched. And I am drinking uh, <laughs> Redemption Rye whiskey, uh, aged in in rum barrels. It's delightful. So I got I I, I the other day I was talking about. Um, I was talking about mud play to some people on a mm. on a on a training and how mud play is 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 a good thing and and there Great is a, and a, and a a woman a woman involved in this in this session who was she didn't know mud play was a thing. Poor woman. I, okay, so <laughs> just, we're gonna back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So she knows play is the mm-hmm. thing and. Does she know of mud? Yes. Yes. She knew both things okay. existed as far as I know. Okay. Just not the coexistence of these. Well, and, and she's always had, been she, separated. She, she, she told, when I asked, she told me that she had indeed played oh. with mud, like made mud pies and stuff when she was a kid. I, I think she didn't, I, oh. I guess, so she knows the thing. She didn't know it was an early learning program oh, okay. thing. She, I guess she didn't think yeah, of it as like what, a formalized a thing, like, a, thing okay. that w- a thing that you could or should do in an early learning setting, I guess I is what I mean. You meant like she was an yeah. alien from a planet Same without water thing. and had never so seen she, mud. She just doesn't know it's a common practice. I mean, in her world, apparently it's not. So it was a, it was a right, new thing to her, right. and one of her, and, sure. and so, but she was open to it. She was open to it, and Great. um, and so her. one of her one of her concerns was was the the potential for for germs. And sure. I mean, that's a that's a thing, and and so I I I brought up two things and. And you guys can tell me if this is too gross or not. But one, it's come up on the show. Uh, we just come back from a break, and in the bathrooms at the uh, the, the 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 venue, they had uh, they had the air hand dryers. Yes. And and so so what those those things work is all all the all the toilets in those public bathrooms. None of them have seats. They've all got the open 
open things. So every time you flush, everything get, that gets flushed gets 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 uh, particleized and weaponized and shot up into the air, but then sucked through the heating fan of those hand dryers and warmed. And so you're really drying your hand in the warm fecal matter of of yourself and the people who have who have recently used that bathroom. And and so I pointed Indeed. that out. And I pointed that out as, you know, we're surrounded by germs. But then I also pointed out that the yes. fact that, you know, every time you smell a fart, you are you are inhaling particles that have have have, have just come out of the butt of, of another human being. And and that 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 maybe we 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 could live with a little bit of mud mess. Is that too extreme? This... Should I have part it back, paired it back a little bit? What I mean, thoughts? my example would have just been like, have you ever touched a table? Like, <laughs> just, it's gonna have the same amount of germs as the mud. <laughs> have you ever played with, you know, whatever else you put in a sensory table? You know, like a water table? <laughs> you got, you got germs well, on the wall, too. Well, sure, those are good examples, oh. too. But I was going for some Oh, but your <laughs> Right. You really gotta gotta shock them. <laughs> Thoughts, Rebecca? I think it goes back to just people being afraid and disconnected, afraid of and disconnected from nature. Absolutely. Nature yeah. nature becomes when you're not connected with nature and it's not a part of your life, like daily life or even regularly, then it, it becomes something that most people fear. You know, then it becomes the wilderness, then it becomes you know, the outside is dirty right? and people can get bacteria and there's algae blooms and there's all of these things that you read about in the news, right? Like if like here in California, you know, there's, there's a huge drought that's been happening for years. And so it's, you get all of these, these notions in your head that, that nature is scary, right? And that we shouldn't engage with it because it's too risky. And why do mud when I can do Play-Doh? And not realizing that there's a difference in those mediums, right? And Play-Doh so is just as disgusting. Yes. <laughs> it's also foul. How are you For how sure. are you gonna counter how how are you gonna counteract all those fears in your new program? Well, I the application that I have for prospective families when they apply asks questions. What are your fears about nature play? What are your fears about your Love child? That being outside every day like what I ask them these questions so that each not only moving forward I know what these families are worried about but I tailor each parent info night to the families that have applied so there's like a general like this is what my forest school is about this is what's going to happen and then there's like a section of the parent info night that's like this is what I read on your application and now it seems that this group of families is really worried about rattlesnakes so this is what we do to help the children stay safe from rattlesnakes, right? We make sure that during rattlesnake season, we wear boots, we wear long pants. Before we go in long grass, the teachers will go and poke in the grass with long sticks and all that kind of stuff. And so just being able to communicate that with the families and, and help them understand that we've thought about these things too. Yes, Jeff. Um, I have a question. <laughs> Uh, when is yes. rattlesnake season? Rattlesnake season starts in like spring when it starts getting warm uh -huh. and pretty much ends when it starts getting cold. So like late 
spring through the end of summer. Like so right now, it's like, it's, it's, like, it's, like it's like an 11 month season. It's like half the year. Yeah, it's like half the year. Uh, kind of like hurricane season. Kind of like and hurricane you get season. To know, you, yeah, you get to know the areas, right? Like, so the, the benefit of us being in the same place, the same location every day, is we're going to get to know not only the people that are there every day, but the animals, right? Right. Like, you get to know that, okay, like, we can't go over there because the raccoons poop over there every day. <laughs> and, like, right. they're never going to stop. And now we can't play there because there's a raccoon latrine. And so you might get to know, like, okay, this area always has rattlesnake holes, which right. are really small. Then the snake. Yeah, they're very small. So we have grounds, California ground squirrels here. They're like gophers, kind of, They're but they're squirrels. And they have holes, too, but they're much bigger. And so the kids get to identify like the difference between a ground squirrel hole and a rattlesnake hole and how to keep themselves safe from that. And then how to respect those animals, right? Like we're not gonna be like, oh, we can't play here for us. Right. You know, what a bummer. Like it's okay to feel disappointed, but understanding that we share this space and that we're a part of nature, we're not here visiting it and it's not here to entertain us, right? It's not here for our, just our pleasure and, and how we want to experience it. And I think I think that will help create a next generation of parents who do not have that same fear of rattlesnakes because they right. understand rattlesnakes are part of the outside. Mm-hmm. Here's what I look for and notice for if I am yeah. in an area with rattlesnakes. And here is how I protect myself from a possibility of a rattlesnake. But also here's how I just avoid it and respect it altogether right and what's really nice is the school site that i picked is literally like a less than 10 minute drive to the hospital yeah. so it's really awesome it because it gets those I, really I, scary parents some, i can some always relief. say you know what like we have all of these different things that we do to protect your child but i can't guarantee that your child won't get bitten by a rattlesnake absolutely i can't guarantee your child won't break their leg i i the, the most horrific injury in my 10 years of teaching was watching a child walk out of a place area. She just was walking out of like the tambark area over like a little ledge into the, the blacktop. She tripped and broke her femur. Perfectly healthy, oh perfectly healthy three-year-old. Mm-hmm. Tripped, broke her femur just the way that she fell. Oh. Right. And so it's, you can't guarantee anything. And so I, I don't stress that, but I do mention that to parents is that your child can break their arm at daycare just as the same as they can break their arm here at forest school. And they may even be, I mean, I don't have the data on this, so I can't say for sure, but I would be willing to bet that they'd be less likely to break their limbs at forest school because when you're immersed in nature, you're very mindful. You're very aware of your body because you have to be present. And when you're in nature, creates a self-awareness that is different than when you're sitting in a classroom right it's not the sharp knife that's the most dangerous it's the dull knife it's the one that you looks like it's going to be okay because oh it can't hurt you but you're not if you don't know how to use it properly and it's going it's working against you or if you feel too comfortable right you feel too comfortable like oh i'm not going to get hurt here because i i'm in this little bubble of a classroom i can run around crazy and then i'm going to fall and slip and hit my head on the shelf like that can happen just as much as a yeah. child can trip and fall and hit their head on a rock. That's almost mm-hmm. exactly what happened uh, in, in <laughs> one of my classrooms. It was outside, but it was on like one of those like safety tested structures and her shoes were just a little too big and she slipped and she got like a four inch gash on her head. 
Yeah, I'm I mean, like, I've wait. seen some crazy, crazy injuries from like the most minute things. And I've watched dozens of children climb trees and oh, yeah. do very risky things. I mean, the first uh, couple podcasts I listened to of this podcast, it was talking about pulley play, like doing pulleys in mm -hmm. the classroom. So I put a pulley out in my playground a few years ago. This is like five years ago. And the kids, the other teachers were so worried because <laughs> they were worried the kids were putting too heavy of stuff in the pulley, in the bucket, and that the kids at the top of the play structure were just going to let it drop, which happened one <laughs> time. It happened once. This little girl got a little, like, little, little knot on her head, nothing crazy. And she cried. The kids felt so badly. And from that day forward, for the rest of that school year, they did great with that pulley because they remembered what happened to their friend and they didn't yeah. want it to happen again. They didn't want it to happen to them. They didn't want it to happen to their peers. And so they developed that, that awareness, right? So it's like when you give children the opportunity to do risky things, they develop uh, not only a sense of awareness, but a desire to, to look for it, right? Yeah. Like they, they, they evaluate a situation ahead of time, which is a really incredible skill for a four-year-old. Exactly. <laughs> and they, they, de they develop a level of respect for the activity and for the materials. Like we've got, uh, there's a play structure at my school. So I'm currently at a public school. So, you know, it's pretty standard play structures, right. but there's one that uh, is marked for five-year-olds and up. And I casually ignore the sign. Um, and I'm like, they're, I have a very small class and I'm always with them. So I'm not like worried, but there's uh, like a classic fireman pole. Right. Right. That, you know, you grab on and you go down. For sure. And I've got one kid that can do it, that likes to do it. And all of the others want to watch him do it. And he'll, you know, he'll lead his whole body forward. He'll grab, grab with both it, hands yeah. and then he'll put his legs on and then he'll fall down. And he'll kind of try and explain it a little bit. You know, he'll be like, no, hold it, hold it, hold it. And while the other kids are like holding on to the poles behind them and like asking me, like, Sam. I'm like, no, I can't help you do it. You got to either do, or you can go down the stairs. The stairs are fine. It's not, it's not a big deal. But they go up to it every day, right? And they're examining it every day. And one of these days, I've got one of my buddies. I He's going to do it. He's just like got that look in his eyes right now. He's not ready, but he wants to hold it every day. He wants to watch it every day. I saw another teacher out there with her class. She specifically told them, don't go near that. You can get hurt. And I'm like, well, yeah. Duh. Yeah. It's a giant pole made of metal. <laughs> we can get hurt on a lot of things. Oh, so it's interesting that kind of like difference in philosophy, I guess, of like, yeah, of course this thing can hurt you. So I'm going to be here and talk you through how to do it, but I'm not going to make it, you know, I'm not going to do it for you. So you have right. a wrong idea of what is supposed to happen on this structure, but I'm also not going to push you to do it if you're not ready. I'm just going to let you play with it and figure right. it out and totally they, and they know you know if somebody's using it you have to move out of the way like if you're on the bottom you're going to get stepped on you don't want to get stepped on they also know oh you got to make some space if somebody's trying to go down because you don't want to push them that feels really scary they don't want to fall before they're ready so yeah like giving them that space to figure it out is so much more valuable than taking that thing away Right. So I think, I mean, I wonder, it's hard to know because we're not that person, but that other teacher, 
it's like, is it the sign that yeah. is, causes her to have fear, right? Like if that sign wasn't there, would that situation have gone differently? Do people just buy into the sign, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, here's a sign. It's you're not five. We can't do it. Right. And is it a true feeling? Is it authentic? Like I'm worried that this child is going to get hurt or is it I'm worried that people are going to perceive that I'm allowing this child to do something that's not safe? Right. right. Like there's all these different layers. Like why really aren't you letting them do it? Because if we, if you spend any time with a child, there are children that are three that can do six-year-old things and vice versa. Right. Absolutely. And what's, what's an, what's an age at, at, at that point, you know, and it, between a three, a four and a five-year-old, they are so different in their physical abilities. I've met two-year-olds who can like roar up a huge play structure and then I've met six-year-olds who are very timid, right? And so it's giving them, like you said, giving them that space to decide and giving them the information to decide, right? Like, oh, that pole is is right there. You can grab it or you can move and let the next person go and you can watch them instead of saying yeah. like, oh, you're not ready yet, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, But you will be ready as soon as you turn five. Like that's, right. I think that's, we talk about this all the time on the that podcast. That sounds so silly. Like, <laughs> yeah, like this idea of like, you know, everybody and their mother is talking about how, you know, we need creative thinkers, we need self-directed learners, we need people that break the mold. And then when they're three, we stick them in this mold. And we're yes. like, don't touch that. That's not safe. Like, well, if you want them to solve problems, you have to actually let them solve problems. You have to let them climb that tree. You have to let yes. them look at that hole and think, is that a rattlesnake hole? Or is that a ground squirrel hole? Mm-hmm. How do I know? if I don't know, what do I do? How do I find the answer? Like without those opportunities, how are you going to do anything that we're hoping you can do? Right. And I think that's, what's really tough is, is this, you know, you always hear like the world is changing at such a fast pace. Like we don't know what, what these young children are going to be doing for their careers or in their lives in general in in 20 years and 30 years. But I'm not seeing a lot of change in the way that we're approaching education, early childhood, and even some parenting practices, you know, that, that are, that have caught on, um, like setting, you got to set activities for your kids every day. Like, I feel like some parents have that pressure now that like, Oh, play, play is awesome. Play is how your kids learn. And now there's all these poor parents out there that are like, I got to set up like a breakfast invitation for my kid to play in the morning and then they feel stressed when their kid isn't isn't playing it right yeah oh man my so back to my my wonderful niece and my wonderful sister and brother-in-law and uh sister-in-law and brother-in-law technically my brother-in-law is just some guy I know I guess um since we're not like at all related <laughs> we're uh we're you know she'll she'll post updates on like her private Instagram for her daughter for like the 17 people you know that she wants to have updates about her kid yeah. And, you know, at one point she was like, I'm beginning to think independent play is a myth. Like she just, she, but all these, all these blogs, all these things, you know, are talking about like independent play. I have to help her foster independent play. But she's like, I she can't leave her for more than 10 minutes before she comes to find me. And I'm like, that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> You're not doing any, A, you're not doing anything wrong yeah. by your kid is not quite ready for this. And B, like you're doing absolutely what you need to be doing by just keeping like just trying again like just leave yeah just leave her alone the worst thing in the world just leave her and right. you know don't like walk out of the house 
but she'll find something to do. I'm sure. I think people it's think take that a minute. People think that they're failing at independent play as parents when their child might be following them around or or asking them to play still. But it's like right now is your independent time. You can choose to stand here and watch me do the dishes. Like, <laughs> I tell that to my students know? all the time when I'm doing like if you want when to I'm stand doing there, busy yeah. work. Yeah. They're like, what are you doing? Like, I'm doing, I'm cleaning the paint brushes. Do you want to? Like, no. Like, okay. I mean, you can stand here, but I'm going to clean the paint brushes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it, it takes that like battle away. Right. Cause you're like, I'm still going to engage with you. I'm not ignoring you. It's not like it's independent play time yeah. and I'm going to just disengage and you go do you and I'll do me. It's more like I have something else I'm going to do. So you can find something else that you're going to do, or you can watch me do my thing. And most kids, after a very short time, are like, this is boring. I do not want to watch I hate this. <laughs> I will go. I don't want to be here. Yeah, and, and you, you do it with love, right? You're like, do you need a hug first? Absolutely. Like, I'm going to go do the dishes. Let me give you a hug. Let me give you a kiss on the cheek. Like, I'll come check in on you soon. And I, I yeah, so it's, it's those those trends can get can get um tough for parents, for teachers. We feel a lot of pressure, all of these things that, that we're, we want to be perceived as great caregivers right as the good parent as the clever parent uh always right. on top of things you know oh that's the teacher that's always sending home great stuff like she's he's got such great activities she has such yeah. great centers etc et i got slime i got slime in a ziploc bag the other day and it's just bees knees. yeah for sure it's <laughs> like cool <laughs> it is oh i mean i feel like that's a whole book about just this idea of like keeping up with each other as far as as parenting and schooling for lack of a better term yeah, goes and I think I think it's definitely I mean this doesn't sound like a genius statement but like it's heightened you know in social media times when you know for it's sure. not like I have to go visit another school to see what they're doing they post about it they hashtag it you know I can find everything that they do yeah. and I can compare that to my own practice and you know I can get God, just so exhausting. You think it's I think exhausting. I think that like parents and, and teachers, we are all stressed, not all, but like a lot of people get stressed about these things. Meanwhile, the toddlers and preschoolers that we're all stressed about are behind us playing with a cardboard box and tearing it into <laughs> pieces and laying on the floor and seeing how far they can blow it. Like having the time of their lives. <laughs> We're like, are we good enough? Are we doing enough for them? Yes. Are we stimulating their cognitive development enough? And mm -hmm. I mean, I, I fall into that trap all the time. But I was I was thinking, you know, places like your program, I think are really great at helping to subvert that just because you've already taken away the, the four walls aspect of mm -hmm. like, we're in this room, we're going to produce these things and do it in this order. And here's what is going to happen. You, It has such a, you, you said like a school of place in one of the earlier right. recordings and I, right. I really liked that phrase because I think it goes beyond the physical place but also you know the mental place the the right. spiritual place if you will of where sure. are we as a community as children as adults who care for children and right. how does that impact the way we talk to them think about them work with them play with them for sure so, what I think I is think really amazing programs are great what's nice about forest school and and being able to give kids that freedom to really learn about themselves, right? Because if you know, even even in a great play-based program, it's like you go in and you're given like the toys are what's there is there. Right. Right. And that's still true with nature, but it's 
it's such a big place, right? Like we go this park that we're going to be in. It's it's huge. Like you could fit does hundreds of classrooms in this. And think of how big it is to us as adults, and then imagine how big it is to a three year old, right? For sure. And so what I think is really I'm so excited about is my classroom, of in a sense, is going to continuously expand because at the beginning of the year, right? Like we're going to start at our meeting location and we we slowly branch out and and get stronger and more stamina and more endurance throughout our explorations throughout the school year. So it's like even on the la during the last month of the school year, we can go to a place we've never been before. You know, there's always a sense of adventure. There's always a sense of curiosity, which can sometimes get lost in in a classroom if you don't have a really awesome, you know, provider who is thinking about rotating things and being on top of being responsive. I don't yeah. want to make it sound like I'm I'm lazy, but it's almost like nature does a lot of the work for me, right? Like I, I completely have, understand what you mean. Absolutely. I don't have to rotate the materials. Like the acorns grow. Right. And then they fall and then they grow new trees. And then like I don't have to like rotate the acorns out. Like no, it's they're just they're just there. <laughs> I I have the exact same thought because at about 9 a.m. every day is when my group starts getting a little squirrely inside and I happen to have a door to like a lovely, beautiful field that nobody really uses behind my classroom, but I'm the only right. one with this door. So I'm like, great, we're going outside. Please. And I don't, like sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I want to bring out this thing that somebody has been playing with and I want you know, somebody's been loving throwing this ball, I'm definitely going to bring that. Most of the time I'm just like, let's just go out and see what we see. Let's see what's there. What's around today? Yeah. There's it's always amazing. like bird feathers. There's, oh my gosh, it's so much fun. And you just it's, let them it's go. Like, and it's, yeah. it's, you just sit back and respond, right? It's almost like you they're just... hardwired to do this. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's really amazing. I had, so the last school that I worked at that I mentioned, I think on the first pod was that we um, would go out every day on this five acre um, property at the child day school. And most other teachers were not. And I would get teachers asking me because we would, you know, I'd have the kids like grouped up. I didn't make them line up, which people were terrified about that. Um, yeah, we crossed the road, you guys. It was a tiny little, it's, it was our own private road of our parking lot. It was not even part of the road. We crossed it without a line and people lost their minds. Um, <laughs> but we, we crossed the road. We're, we're crossing the road. We're going to like what the kids, the kids name these locations too, right? Because we go to all these different places. Right. We're going to the coyote bush area. And so we were going there and I had this one teacher and she hollers out and she's like, what are you guys doing? And I was like, oh, we're going to go play over at the coyote bush. And she's like, but what are you guys doing? What do you do out there with them? She's like hollering at me. I'm like, we just play. <laughs> And you go out there and they, they find a deer bone and we have a whole morning where we're trying to find more bones. And then you have the social emotional element of like this kid found a bone, this kid found a bone. None of the other kids found bones. They're crying. You know, it's like you, it's so natural to just go out and explore nature and like all of the elements of Listeners, Jeff is holding up some sort of jawbone. We don't know if it's from a victim of his. We don't know. That looks like a gator bone. It does. It's giving gator. Is it gator? He doesn't know. I, I, Wait, I don't know. I found, it, I, I found it on the beach the other day. That's cool. Ooh. 
That That's is really cool. cool. It might be a fish bone, like one. It of those... is a very toothy bone. So, you know, like yeah. those fish that have long snouts. But yeah, yeah. you know, well, I was just yeah. all, all of us kids like finding bones. I call them snoot fishes. I don't know what they are, but it's really <laughs> cool because yeah, just just going outside and it, they find the things. We learn about the things. There's a social emotional element of like who can find the thing and how often can you find the thing? And this kid always finds the bones because he's always where the bones are, you know, and <laughs> you're just having to know. He, yeah. Like you just have those kids that are like, I know where to find bones because they learn that bones flow in the creeks. So those kids will go, I'm going to go look in the creeks because that's how bones get carried down. So it, it's just really, I, I feel just blessed that I was able to experience this as an educator because I feel that so many educators out there know that they're missing something, right? They know that like, they love what they do. They love these kids, they love play, but like something's not quite there. And I just feel like unstructured outdoor time is the answer to a lot of those those stresses and those worries of, of what's, what's, what is my child? What is this group of children missing out on? So uh, what's a sandstone wind quiet. cave? A sandstone <laughs> wind cave. So um, California has really interesting geography because of really? the tectonic plates that are converging. It's like the Pacific plate and the North American plate, I want to say. Don't quote me on that. But the two main plates that are converging um, right in the Pacific Ocean, right off the coast of California. So when they, millions of years ago, when they converged, they created all the different mountain ranges, like the Sierra Nevada and our little mountain, Mount Diablo, in the East Bay. And so that's really interesting. You can find fossilized seabed rocks throughout our park, where there's like giant rocks with like old seashells in them, because it was thrust up from all of the convergence of the tectonic plates. So there's a section of our park that has lots of sandstone, which is just a type of a type of sand type of earth and because of the rain and the wind that we get in the different canyons in the area it creates caves in the sandstone because the sandstone is really susceptible to erosion with water and with wind so when it rains and it's windy the sandstone creates it gets like these little whirlwinds in it that create these caves and so throughout our park we have different areas where there are literal caves where you can go in and the kids can climb in and there's like fossils in the rocks. And it's just incredible. When I first saw the site and I was like looking for a place, I was like, this is the shit. <laughs> I was like, we are right. That's amazing. So, uh, so all yeah. Right, all right. Time, time out, time out, time out. Um, first, um, look, I've, I've been drinking, um, but you've, you get you get caves at your forest school. Yes, the, the kids they're small, those, but the kids the, the kids, kids can get to fit scroll in around in. That's yeah. that's pretty awesome. But also in like eight hundred nine, this is episode eight hundred ninety something. Uh, this is the this is the most geology talk we've ever had in the podcast. So, <laughs> so listeners, go. the show the show is always evolving. You've got barbecue spas. Uh -huh. You've uh, you've got geology. It's it's an amazing show. So. Um, are there, no, what, how do we, how do we stay? I mean, look, you could go, how big are these caves? Could you go in and get lost? Are you going to lose they're kids small. in the caves? No, they're small. So because they're created by erosion, they're not super big, right? 
um, they take a lot of time to to create these caves. So in the state, well, I mean, park, the Great Lakes are created by by erosion, weren't they? Because the, the <gasps> glaciers moved away. Yes. So I mean, erosion. This is Grand Canyon, too, but... also erosion. Well, yeah. This okay. Is... So let's not let's not say a, let's not discount the the power of erosion. This is true. Those uh, <laughs> landforms we were erosion on this. They, they were formed many millions of years before California's mountain ranges were were put up. Oh. Um, so just the the timeline, right? Like it's hard to even fathom. These are baby caves. Yeah, in terms exactly. of caves, these are babies. Exactly. Um, but the state park. So I was mentioning that our regional park that we're going to be in is adjacent to the state park of Mount Diablo. We can actually hike up into that park if and when the kids are like strong and, and, and have the endurance to do so. Um, but there are caves um, that it's called, I, what is it called? Rock City. It's called Rock City in Mount Diablo and it's a little area and it has tons of caves that kids every day, they go in there and and go all through them and it's a, it's a pretty cool site. But yeah, that would be quite the trek for us. I don't know if we'll ever be able to make it make it to Rock City. Um, but we do have a, a few of the smaller examples of this something similar throughout throughout our site. I think that would be a great movie, making it to Rock City. That would be great. No, I I think I I love that you've you've talked about endurance because that's what I've heard from a lot of forest school people that I've talked to that that when the program starts, the kids are like, oh. Just just walking across <laughs> the parking lot to get to the forest exhausts them. And within that's a couple of weeks, that's how they are with their parents. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And then within a couple of weeks, they're going on these giant hikes. Yep. I love the it. social love energy, it. the social energy of their yep. peers, right? Oh man. When they're with their parents, they're like, "Hold me, I'm your baby. Like, I'm hungry, I'm tired, I need water." And then I'm like begging them to drink water. I'm like, "Did you drink water? Like, stop and have a snack, please," because um, they're having so much fun. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, the, the hiking group that I do once a month with former families that I've worked with, those families tell me that every day that they pick their kid up from the hikes that we do, we go on like a three hour hike, which isn't usually three hours of hiking, probably 45 sure. minutes of hiking right? <laughs> and the rest like exploring and eating. Um, but they still, I mean, it, I think this month will be our 10th hike we've done together. And I get reviews all the time from parents saying that the kids just come home like full of life they just want to talk about everything they did and they want to take their parents back to the same places that we went so they could show their parents like what they saw and what they did and it's just really amazing to be able to give parents an opportunity to see their children light up yeah you know because they think like, like oh my kid's fine at this school like they do all right and they might be maybe they are doing all right but like, could they be doing spectacularly somewhere else, you know, in a different environment? Like, what are they, what, what, what are you not realizing that, that could be really lighting their fire? So what kind of gear are you going to bring out into the forest? Are you, because, because there, there's kind of a continuum of what, what forest schools that I've, I've, I've experience bring so are you going to bring markers and papers and easels and paint out in the forest are you going to not do any of that stuff or what's your i think it's going to be seasonal so i think during the drier season there's going to be a little less uh like there's not gonna be a lot of flowers in the summer right there's not going to be a lot of mushrooms in the summer so i think those drier seasons those might be the times where i We'll throw out some tarps and bring out a bunch of magnetiles and tr toy trains and just let the kids be under the trees and play with toys. 
Um, but I'm only gonna do that if I feel like they just need to have a few more options. Um, mm -hmm. So that may never happen. So yeah. I have it in my mind where I, cause I have from all the years of teaching, I have tons of stuff. So I have toys, art materials, things like that to bring out if I need to. Um, but also I do plan on regardless, bringing out like journals, writing materials, things like that for the kids to do documentation, their own observations, watercolor, landscape art, things like that. But yeah, I think I'm going to try to just lean on on nature as much as possible and, and keep it as, as little, little complication, right? Like I don't need to do too much. Like we were going back to feeling that pressure to like, I have to make sure I'm providing them stuff right. to do, right? It's like, maybe if I just sit back, I don't need to worry about it as much. It, I had my first family interview day on Saturday and I was worried because like the parents are coming, they're bringing their kids. Are the kids going to have a good time? Like are, it, it's a dry, it's the end of our dry season right now. So like the mushrooms and the grass and all that hasn't quite come to life yet. And it was fine. The kids were picking up acorns and cracking them open and, and it was totally fine. And I, I was preparing an act. I had an activity in my backpack just in case they felt bored or there was like downtime. There was none. I had no, I didn't even, I didn't even need the backpack on my back. I had all kinds of stuff. in it. So I think I'm going to bring out as little as possible. I'm going to bring out tarps to sit on, right. Uh, just to keep our selves comfortable you don't always want to sit on the ground and get dirty and have bugs crawling all over us um but yeah i mean did, water did bottles backpacks food <laughs> did parents did parents voice any worries what are they most concerned about i've had mostly so i've mentioned the drought here climate change is a big concern as far as rising temperatures right like in california in the last 50 years like our average temperature has gone up a couple of degrees. Um, and so I think it's a big concern with heat. However, because we're in the East Bay, it's not as hot as like the Central Valley of California. Yeah. And depending like, you know, California's big. So you have different pockets where it's like, we don't get as hot in Walnut Creek. It can get hot. Don't get me wrong. It can get very hot. So my policy is that we are only going to close if it's over 100 degrees. And my program runs from 8.30 to 1.30. So the odds of it being over 100 degrees before 1.30 p.m. is really, yeah. really low. Mm -hmm. So I looked up data on that. I looked up like how many, I don't have the numbers with me right now, but I looked up like how many days in the last five years was it over 100 degrees? It was like two or three days. And the smoke factor also, because we have so many fires here. So people are worried about the air quality you know, what if there's huge fires and the air quality is terrible for three or four days at a time? So I had to create a policy for that where the parents don't get reimbursed for tuition if we have to close for air quality for the first three days of closure. And then after that, they get a partial reimbursement. So it's like I'm trying to like balance that where it's like I don't want to inconvenience the parents too much, mm -hmm. but also we need to make a living and I still want to pay my staff yeah. during those closure days. So it's that that's the main concern is like the smoke and the heat, the smoke and the heat. And because th those things are uncontrollable, right? Like we don't, mother nature is, is, is mother nature and we're at her mercy. 
Smoke so. and feet, uh, smoke and heat, and uh, rattlesnakes. Any mountain yeah. lions? We get, we have, yeah, we have mountain lions, coyotes, bobcats, uh, things like that. For the most part, they don't come out during the day. It's very rare to see them during the day, and if you do, they usually run away. And then, so it's like you don't usually see them. And then, if you do, they usually run away. And then, in the case that they don't run away, then we have a policy where because I'm going to have three staff, me and two others. So somebody's going to go ahead of all the children and be loud and do the whole, make sure it has to go away. And then while the other, the other teachers will walk slowly away with the other children. So, you know, you have all of these different policies where when a parent asks, what about this? What about that? I want to have an answer so that I can say, oh, I've thought about that. I've thought about coyotes. I've thought about bobcats. I've thought about rattlesnakes so that they can feel confident that I'm not just some Joe Blow opening up outdoor school because it's COVID and people like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and and all all that you just said is why I'm 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 so interested in in policies and procedures now because because programs aren't spending enough time thinking through those things and and coming up with hey this is how we deal with this situation. There there are mm -hmm. way too many programs that that claim to be play based programs, but they don't they don't mention what play is in their policies yes. and procedures. So I, and, I worked and at a high scope program, high scope. I mean, it was all over the pamphlets, all over the website, high scope, high scope mixed with project web, which I was like, okay. So I, I, I did it. I did the high scope. I did the project web. I was the only class in nine classes that actually did what was on paperwork right because even if you have a great policy procedure handbook operating handbook all that stuff you don't have the people implementing it and following up on it it's like then that still falls short yeah right so it's like i'm trying to start from scratch and set the foundation so that moving forward it's like it's just not even a negotiable like this is what we do here and yes, we can have a conversation, obviously, if you have a concern or you think we can make improvements or something, but we're not going to make the kids come do the art activity because you think it's a really cool art activity. Like, that's just not, we don't do that here. Um, where other places I've worked, it's like, oh, we are child led, but then you have the teacher next door who's like, you need to come do your small group activity or you can't go outside first. You know, it's like, who, who are we? And can we stay true to that? And I plan on sticking to it, you know? Hey, that sounds pretty awesome. Hey, you know what? I'd like to I'd like to pat myself on the back for inviting uh, Rebecca to join us on the show. Uh, I mean, well, you know, you go, uh, hell, hell, I'd like to invite myself on the back for inviting Sam to be on the show. I'm just, damn, I'm, I'm just. I'm just so good at this, finding these, finding really these people who have- Is someone awarded you? Yeah, we should give you an award. <laughs> I, I I mean, look, I'm I'm not asking for an award, but I, I think, uh, you know, we've got some some very smart, thoughtful people participating. I'm just in this saying podcast. if there is an award at the 1000th episode celebration, it should be yeah, given maybe, to you. Maybe I should get it. And maybe it should be a bottle of uh, redemption rum. 
Yeah. Uh, no, redemption. Uh, redemption. Right. Oh, you got to you got to put that redemption down, sir. I did. I did it have was, a second. It was order. aged in rum barrels. Right? Aged there in rum go. barrels. That's right. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Redemption Rye. Aged yeah, actually, in rum how come people aren't sponsoring us? And by people, I specifically mean booze companies. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, childcare bar know. and grill. I mean, that's pretty bad. It's in yeah, the name. I know. I know. That's <laughs> sad. Hey, it's time to wrap this one up. Before we go, one, I, I just want to throw some definitions out there. A danger is oh. is is the is something that could potentially cause harm. A hazard is is a danger that children can't readily predict or anticipate, and a risk is a choice that children can make uh, through their observations and, and, uh, and, and, and decisions about things. And so risks are choices, dangers are things that we can, we can prevent. And um, I've been putting some things together about those three different, different words and, and concepts on the Playvolution HQ site, and they will eventually work their way into some podcast episodes. But I think when we talk about risk, we kind of confuse and, and, and conflate those, those, that, that For language. Sure. And there's, and so our, our job really is support to support uh, developmentally appropriate risk taking which means we we work on mitigating the hazards those things the kids can't see or predict we uh we help make them aware of the rattlesnake holes and 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 keep them safe during rattlesnake season but we don't keep them out of the woods yeah well i forgot to tell you that i use your risk benefit analysis matrix and form for my site assessments and activity assessments. i just updated <laughs> it two that. weeks ago it's been updated Oh, really? Well, I'll oh, have to yeah, go check it out because mine was, was downloaded a long time ago. <laughs> hey, listeners, plug the site, Rebecca. My site is www.foothillsforestschool.org. Sam, anything you want to plug? It was libraries uh, last time. It was Rebecca's wait. site before, before that. What is it this time? I would like to plug your local, regional, and state parks and national parks. There, That is your land. You go and enjoy it. Ooh, I would like you know to plug. Anna, I will shout oh, out. Uh, it is Indigenous yep. Peoples Day. Indeed. So take, a, take a little bit of time to learn about the uh, people whose land you occupy and live on. Indeed. And, Jeff, what would you uh, like to plug? Your own website. Uh, shit, I kind of like Columbus. Um, uh, <laughs> I'd like to plug Beach Eagles. Um, oh, I like beach, like eagles. Beach, beach eagles i've been observing beach eagles lately flying over and then and then fishing i saw this 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 eagle he swoops down or maybe it was a she i don't know you can't it's hard when they're way up in the air it's hard to see their How bits, do you know? yeah. their bits and pieces yeah so this this eagle swoops down and grabs a grabs a fish out of the sea and and then goes sits down right. on this little pier thing and is just kind of ripping it apart and and eating it there and it's uh beach eagles uh, may we all have that confidence Beach eagles. They're what that's what's for I dinner. am a beach eagle. Um yeah, there we go. <laughs> hey listeners, this has been the Child Care Bar and Grill Podcast. Thanks for listening. I need your policy and procedures. You can get my contact information out of the show notes. Love Tip you. Wait, staff. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. It's <laughs> a long ass episode. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.